Welcome to Expanding Your Faith, a podcast hosted by Bishop Greer Godsey of the Old Catholic Churches International. Expanding Your Faith brings together a panel of well-educated clergy and laity to discuss modern events with a biblical perspective. Our podcast is about to start. Please stay tuned. to this edition of Expanding Your Faith. I'm Bishop Greer, and joining me tonight is Reverend Mark. Hello, everyone. And Bishop Ben, our producer. Greetings to everybody. Um, tonight we're going to be discussing religious trauma, uh, a topic that uh, a lot of people, well, a lot of people don't believe really exists. Uh, and then others um, believe that it exists in an overabundance. So it, you kind of there's two camps uh, in my experience. You either believe religious trauma exists or you, you don't at all. It's, there's no in-between. And um, so we're going to be talking about uh, some of the causes of religious trauma and then, of course, what you can do to begin your process towards healing and uh, ways to kind of reframe the discussion. And hopefully we'll have time to get into how to prevent religious trauma. That's an area we've not talked about a whole lot in the past, Um, but how to prevent it in your churches and your church bodies uh, and faith communities, wherever you go. So... uh, Forever. No, I'm not going <laughs> to do that to him again like I did last week <laughs> or a week before last where I just kind of put him on the spot. But no. no, it's all good. Um, it's all good. Is there any such thing as religious trauma? I've never heard of such. <laughs> <laughs> Says the pastor of an MCC church, uh, yes. Yes. Uh, where people with religious trauma typically go when they're trying to get back into faith. That's right, yep. Uh, religious trauma is a big deal. I mean, uh, a lot of people experience it, especially in the LGBTQIA community. Yeah. Um, and it comes from a variety of sources, uh, congregations, pastors, family members. Um, it just kind of depends. Um, and it usually starts off with a invalidation of who the person is. You know, that's, that's where it starts, you know. Uh, somebody comes out as gay or lesbian or transgender, uh, bi or, you know, one of the members of the Alphabet Mafia, and, and suddenly they find themselves on the receiving end of a big old stick. Yeah. And it usually takes the form of things like, you know, rapid-firing Bible verses at them. Yeah, because, you know, that's the only way to, you know, convert somebody and change them is to rapid fire Bible verses at them like a machine gun. And so yep, they begin to use the Bible as a weapon against them and continue to try to discredit who they are, marginalize um, how they feel. And um, then, of course, comes usually the next step, which is the pile-on, where they get everybody that they know that believes the way they do that's in your circle of family and friends to pile on and, you know, make your life miserable. And so you end up with that situation. Then if that doesn't work, the next step is typically isolation. Where they and and everyone who believes like them disown the person. And isolate them away from everyone else. 
so that they have no support structure, they have no family, they have no friends, they have nothing. And you've probably seen this occur in your churches and not realize that's what's happening. When somebody walks in and everybody kind of moves to the other side of the sanctuary or, right. you know, stares at them but says nothing, you know. And that's that isolation phase. And then finally is the total disowning, which usually happens at the very end. When a person has chosen to remain as they are. Um, their family and friends, church family, and all their connections break from them completely. You know, you're no longer invited to family gatherings. You're no longer welcome here at this church. You know, that kind of thing. And by that point, the religious trauma is pretty much complete. You know, it has, uh, you've gone through all the stages of abuse and neglect and everything else that you're at a point where there's really nothing left and it's at that point most people swear off religion altogether um, faith religion tradition they just get rid of it all yeah and for good cause for very good cause um, you know, those people have been so badly hurt that um, just the mere thought of going back into a church is traumatizing in and of itself. You know, it causes them great mental distress uh, that might even present in physical form, you know. Um, in the last couple of years... Um, the amount of people experiencing religious trauma has gotten to be so much that the American Psychiatric Association actually added it to the DSM-5, which is the di diagnostic uh, book that all psychologists use to help them diagnose mental health issues. And they actually added it as a VCO, which means it needs more research, but is something that is pronounced enough that it is a mental health concern. And so uh, religious trauma is now considered a mental health concern because so many people suffer from it. And that in and of itself is kind of sad and telling. You know, as a whole. Your thoughts, Reverend Mark? Well, the fact that you're having to discuss this is sad because whether you're talking about church or you're talking about other religious circles, they're meant to be a haven and a place to come for those who are questioning, those who are... Right exploring spirituality those who are unsure of who they are unsure of um, is there a God is there not a God and so forth and so a lot of times we have people that uh, you know they come in with good good intentions they're um, maybe they've been in a church for years uh, brought up like I was in church from a child all the way through uh, my early adulthood and you know the guard comes down to a degree uh, you do see a lot of um, disagreements in churches uh, you know and that doesn't necessarily mean equal tra tra traumatic experiences disagreements because you know I, I say it like this sometimes Church, you know, churches are like family. They'll invite you in. They'll let you come in and put your feet up on the coffee table. But if you take your shoes off, they'll they'll let you know your feet stink from time to time. And that's that's you know, some people equate that as traumatic or horrible or terrible, and that that really isn't. That's you know, you're you're dealing with disagreements and or different preferences and stuff like that. 
as you described, it's when there's the pile on, there's the separation, there's the, you know, the, the machine gun with scriptures in it instead of bullets. And uh, I think the bullets would be kinder <laughs> than some of the words that people say. Uh, because you start giving, what happens is the, those religious individuals, those people without grace and stuff of that nature, they start giving the ultimatum. Oh, well, if you, if you really love God, then you'll completely drop all of this. Or if you really love God, you'll do as we say. And uh, it, to me, it echoes or it's, uh, it's the crusade's light. The church, uh, I, can, I can talk about the church. The church, uh, uh, you have uh, folks that um, come to a place in which they just zero in on people. And instead of giving them a chance to, to grow, instead of giving them a chance to become, uh, you know, to hear your position or hear where you are, they move over into that combative stage against the individuals instead of instead of coming to a place of uh, discussion and reasoning and you know conversing you know even you know even if a person is in a, a place to where they are wrong or they're in destructive behavior the traumatic or, or the the type of behavior that it's imposed upon them with the church, or imposed upon them from a religious circles, that starts the isolation, that starts the the pile on, that doesn't help people grow. It doesn't enable people to grow. You're opening wounds at that point, and you're not just opening them, but the, then you're starting to make them worse and so forth, in their spirits and their hearts, and. Um, I have found and observed over the period of time, um, especially pastoring the church that I pastor now, uh, there is, you know, there is a wide range of responses to those traumas. Uh, most people that are in our church, they've come to a stage of coping because they're actually in our church. However, there are still some triggering things, and they either land on the withdrawal stage, the we're not going to talk about it stage, or, you know, I'm automatically angered mm -hmm. by some of the stuff. Right. And, um, and so it, it's a serious, it's a real thing. Um, I'm not talking about you had a disagreement with the type of color on the carpet uh, we're not talking about, you know, y'all chose to go from hymn, hymn music to now you're using drums and stuff that right. was written in the last 20 years. You know, that those are, again, preference things and disagreements versus true traumatic experiences where, I mean, some of the, I would dare say some of the pastors, some of the leaders, some of the people that are held in high esteem by those who the trauma is inflicted upon, um, you know, those individuals um, were held into a, you know, they, they turn and bring, you know, towards those individuals uh, a sense of anger, a sense of hatred, or a sense of, um, uh, you know, we're going to push you until you become just like, you know, us. Or, you know, you need to look like us and dress like us and sound like us. And we forget that God and the divine creates us all with such beautiful diversity. Just look at the world. You know, some of the some places in our world are lush and green. Some of the places in our world are cold and frigid. Right. Some of the places in our world are brown and other places are a combination of both. And you know you move over to the flowers and the trees and you see diversity everywhere even in humanity and so um, I think the church has a real problem that we have to make everybody look exactly like us act it like us but you know if you take a step back in generalities every author throughout scripture we're talking about the Christian uh, perspective at the second everybody offer um, are there and they're in a place 
where uh, um, they're all different. The writing's different. The message is different. Uh, the people's experiences are different in Scripture. And so it shows us that you have diversity amongst all of us. And so you still... But the church, you can't have that within the church. Uh, you're supposed to because Jesus approached and accepted everybody. But a lot of individuals and leaders and pastors they don't like that diversity they want everybody to look exactly and the same and sound the same right. and um, I think trauma is real I think it needs to be explored and studied so that we can really help people back into a healthy relationship with faith communities and with uh, our creator agreed Bishop Ben your thoughts Well, you know, Richard Mark hit it hit it right on the head with the with the with his comments about about the church and stuff. I wanted to add, you know, there is no such thing as a cookie cutter religion, you know. Every religion has their their faults, no matter which way you look at it. But it also comes down to the religious leaders, which is us pastors. We're in charge of the flock and ultimately our words we don't choose them correctly can can hurt somebody devastatingly hurt them for life and if we don't act accordingly to help them how are we gonna instead of helping them we're hurting them and we should not be able to do that as pastors we have to be held accountable to a higher standard as how we help people and, and we have to be held to a higher standard of of how we view people I've seen certain pastors come along and say, hey, you know, we can't have you serve in a certain ministry because of your disability or your mental capacity. Or we can't have you serve on the praise team because you're a little bit too big for, for the platform or, or you look too big. You know, they make off-color comments like that. And they don't think about it in their comments. And then ultimately that poor congregation member gets hurt because they've been rejected. And all they wanted to do was sing or, or help out in the ministry somewhere. They wanted to give with their talents, and then they feel unwelcome. So as, as leaders of the church have to be mindful of how we act, how we talk to the congregation, and talk to anybody. Because ultimately, our words can hurt permanently. I agree completely. And I think that it is a... It is a widespread issue, especially when you begin talking about disability and race. Uh, you know, uh, as Blackbird has pointed out in the comments, you know, uh, indigenous individuals uh, really have a great issue with the church because of the trauma the church caused to them uh, between the indigenous schools that the church ran for a very long time uh, the removal of their culture the uh, you know dragging away of children from their parents and placing them in you know white Christian homes to make them more civilized that's air quotes civilized you know and things of that nature um, uh, there's a great amount of distrust and trauma I would even venture to say generational trauma uh, amongst the indigenous people of, of uh, North America especially uh, because of the abuse that they suffered at the hands of the church. Right. And so that religious trauma is very much there in vivid color uh, in the indigenous community. Um, but it doesn't just stop there. It's, it's anybody that's not their vision for the church it's you know indigenous people people with disabilities people with mental health concerns people who are a different gender or sexual orientation uh, women women have been another greatly marginalized uh, group within the church for centuries mm -hmm. and um, you know and in some ways still to this day women continue to be marginalized in churches 
Um, there was an article, I don't know, what, three months ago, I guess. The Southern Baptist Convention threw out oh, yeah. uh, several churches in the South who had female pastors, not even senior pastors, but just pastors, associates working with a larger team of pastors, and they threw them out of the denomination because they had females in the pulpit. You know, it's ridiculous. So, I mean, there's still this right. uh, trauma going on in the church, even to this day. Right. Um, and it's 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 appalling and it's sad. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, you were talking about uh, individuals with disabilities and people that were um, I, I can look back at the many churches, the denominations that I was in and part of. Uh, groups that I was associated with. I can't think of, I'm sitting here trying to remember if I could remember one leader who was, would fall into the disabled category that was a leader. Um, and I can't think of one that would, because we, you know, if you had a disability, you had something that you were recovering from or an illness, you know, they would throw you up under the category of, well, you have no faith, otherwise God would have done something to heal you. Right. And I believe in healing from uh, our Creator, uh, but that's not the telltale sign that you love God and that you're called by God is, right. you know, that everything works and is perfect in your life. The, a lot of times the leaders would, you know, mask their disabilities or mask the things that, you know, that they claimed that they were perfect and immune from. And uh, which is a sad thing because then you have people that you're teaching and ministering to and, and trying to encourage. And basically you're telling them, well, you, you know, you're not, there's something wrong with you beyond what is obvious. Um, there's something wrong with you because god must not care for you that's a horrible message to be right. spewing and spouting and attempting to preach quote unquote uh, to the congregation because we're supposed to be bearers of good news we're supposed to be bearers bearers of encouragement and grace and mercy and that's the true message in the christian faith right. is that we are to be a place to where every person can come no matter what they've got going on in their lives, period. No matter what they have going on in their life. Um, and mo more often than not, it's the absolute reverse. It's the, we don't, you know, we, we, want, them, we want them looking perfect before they walk in the door. And then we'll let them, you know, come in the door. But that's, you know, where's our poor, where's our needy, bring those, give them to me is what the scripture says right. you know bring bring those and um sometimes i'm poor and i'm needy with or without the outward you know uh, the outward showing of it and so we need to be careful because uh pushing people away throwing people away was not the method in which god intended right. in which our, you know, my faith teaches that every person's welcome at the table. Every person's welcome to worship, whether they smell good, whether they haven't uh, eaten in a while. Take them, get them food, let them worship. Right. Whether they can pray like I, me, or they can barely throw together two sentences. I, I mean, gosh, there's some days I can't throw together two sentences. Really? And, um, uh, you know, it, it's it's not, you know, we are not called to judge folks to see if they're worthy of love. That's not our calling. You know, it is not up to me to, de to find out and say, oh, well, is Bishop worthy of love? Right. No, no, that's not, I'm supposed to love everyone, that's right. period. It makes it easy. Yeah, but what if that, no, there's no what if. It's just love everybody. I don't have to make up my mind to. Thomas Merton famously said in one of his books that uh, he is required by God to love everyone without asking if they're worthy. Yep, 
That's right. And I think that's a very poignant point. That's a good point. So I want to change the order a little bit. How do we change the church? How do we stop the church from being this bastion of religious trauma, this uh, bringer of religious trauma in our world? And uh, For some people, the answer is just shut them all down. <laughs> I mean, and I understand that answer, but <clears throat> I think that the church can be a place of good it just requires an overhaul a change in the way it is led a change in the way that it is uh, it interacts with its congregation its people mm -hmm. and I think the first step to that is pastors who are true shepherds rather than you know these people who sit on high thrones you know, people who are not afraid to interact with all of their congregation and be one of their congregation, you know. Um, so often when pastoral search committees go looking for a new pastor, they look for somebody who, you know, fits this, this laundry list of things, looking for some form of perfection. And what they end up with is somebody that is, uh, you know, not really cut out for being the shepherd. Mm -hmm. They may be a great administrator, mm -hmm. but they're not a very good shepherd. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's the first step is finding people who can truly be shepherds. Um, people who also understand that life is messy, yep. you know. It's, it's not simple black and white, you know. Life is a variety of shades of gray. And you cannot look at every situation from a black and white perspective, you yep. know. Uh, you have to understand the nuances of life. Um, uh, especially in today's society. You know, I, I can't tell you the number of times I get asked by couples who come to me to get married, will you still marry us if we're living together already? I, I mean, I don't care if you're living together already. But the point is that for a lot of them, the only reason they're living together is it was financially expedient. Yeah. You know, they couldn't survive on their own alone. And so... They moved in together to, you know, be able to survive together. Right. Um, no, I don't care. God doesn't care that they're living together, you know. But so many people are turned away from the church because, well, you can't be living together before you get married. I got a phone call a few months back from one of our clergy who said, I have this couple who just came to me from down the street at the Roman Catholic Parish and they were going to get married at the Roman Catholic Parish had the date and everything had the invitations printed the pastor found out that they were living together and called the wedding off said they had to move out live separately for at least six months and then he would marry them that is insane Where, where's that six months in scripture right I, you know, that's insane. And, of course, it caused religious trauma to the couple because now they have all this stuff. They've got the invitations printed and sent out and caterers and, and, and DJs and everything else, everything planned, and now they're going to lose a ton of money and have to start all over. You know, thankfully, our, our parish was able to help them, and they didn't have to change anything but the location, you know. And so, uh, but that's, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. You know, we need pastors who understand what's going on in life, the nuances of everyday life. Yeah. And we need pastors not afraid to stand up to woolly congregations. Congregations who cause trauma by their actions. They're not afraid to stand up and say, look, 
y'all are really being dicks. <laughs> yeah. Maybe a little more diplomatic than that. But you can't treat people this way. You have to treat people the way Jesus said to. You know? And if you don't have that, then the congregation is just going to cause a tremendous amount of trauma. And you're still going to have this cycle continuing to be perpetuated. Yeah. What are your thoughts on some of the things that could change? Yeah, I mean, just to piggyback on that for just a second, it's not always ministers that cause it. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of bad apples out there that are in the pulpits and have the title of reverend and clergy. Uh, But there are some congregations that do their fair share of turning on folks. And, you know, again, they don't fit into the mold. They don't look like this person here or that person there. And yes, it 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 creates a huge amount of trauma. It's a clique. It's a club, instead of a welcoming and opening community and family. And you know, that that's that was that's the main that's the main thrust for for uh, the people that want to follow after uh, the teachings of Christ, follow after who God truly is, and that is welcoming the stranger, opening our hearts. Right. and lives and being hospitable and so forth and um you know realizing that again it's creating that 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 atmosphere it's creating that uh aura around a church it's creating that environment that you know all can come and all are welcome at the in the presence of the almighty all are welcome and so, and therefore, all are welcome to fellowship with us. We don't exclude people, and there's so much excluding going. I, you know, I watched. You know, I was involved in one church where, I mean, it was like a corporate mindset. I mean, it was a dog eat dog. You know, it was just a corporation type of a thought process. And there can be some elements of leadership that work well with that when you're dealing with the business part of church. But when you're dealing with uh, bringing people in that are hurt and the wounded and all that stuff, and, you know, we're not, you know, they're over there not living up to the corporate standard and all that. I mean, it just creates a mess. And it has harmed so many people. And I watched that environment. And, you know, the pastor was a... you know educated in the corporate world and you know went to school that is uh for you know for business and then you know decided to pastor so the mindset was all wrapped up in business versus you know the compassion the grace the mercy you know some people need a lot extra a lot more grace than other people do that's right and uh and there's that's there's that's fine because there's moments in my life where I need more grace than maybe you do because I'm stubbing my toe more often. I'm, I'm, you know, and it's, it's not, and we don't need the shunning, you know, we, we're, you know, churches and religious groups, they have become very good at the shunning part. I'd like for churches to get into the, the, they're excellent in the welcoming part in the, in the holding of the hand, in the I'm here to listen, whether you need answers or you just need someone to listen to you. And listening to some of the stuff that my congregation has gone through in their past, I mean, it it just, I don't understand how either the leaders, the pastors, or the congregants that they were associated with when all the trauma happened, I don't know how the people think that, that, that that's okay that that was okay to do and to perpetrate upon somebody, especially when folks were wounded and hurt and, you know, down to their last meal or had already had their last meal and were desperate. Um, And, you know, we, the church as a whole has its own self to blame for the decline of folks because, I mean, it's like, it's not like the number of people in the world is decreasing at this point. Uh, There's plenty of folks in the world and there's plenty of opportunity for us to fill our pool our, our pews right 
you know, you want to feel your be be meaningful, be purposeful to impact your community, be aware that the community needs more than rigid methodology, right. and you know, it's our way or the highway, and um, you know, that's that's vital. And you, you look at you look at uh, people throw out some some corrective scriptures and things that are meant to have ourselves self-examine, but they'll neglect to quote the scriptures that tell us to welcome the stranger, open our arms and hearts to those that are in need. And uh, how about those scriptures quoted just as much as the, you know, fall on your face and lay before God and uh, examine your soul and your heart? Bishop Ben, your thoughts? I think Bishop Ben stepped away for a moment. That's <laughs> all right. It froze up on me. Wouldn't let me unmute. I'm sorry. That's all right. Go ahead. No, no. Good thoughts that Reverend Mark was saying, you know, and to, you know, to talk about like like he was talking about the congregations and how how some people have been really hurt and stuff like that. But we we also need to think about too, like Father David mentioned, and it's a great comment that he mentioned about Pope Francis. And I've heard it different. I've heard it different different sayings in different ways. But in order for us to be that leader, we have to be. If we're gonna be that shepherd, we have to smell like the sheep. And that 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 was a great point. For us to to be that shepherd, we have to be able to put ourselves in the shoes of the congregation because we don't always know where they're coming from 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 their from their life. We don't know what trauma they have they have faced, either be religious trauma or family trauma, whether the family being Christian or born again Christian, or whatever faith they may be, putting that extra pressure on people and. We never know, so we have to be mindful of how people think, you know, and how they feel, because we don't know what their walk of life is gonna, what it, whether whether the walk of life has been and where they're coming from. So we have to be mindful. Plus, plus we have to be compassionate and caring, but we also have to have that steady hand to say, like Mr. Greg just mentioned, you know, we have to have that steady hand to say, hey. Your congregation is misbehaving, and and you see it. We have to be able to correct it, because the other outsiders are gonna see how the congregation is acting, and they see the leadership not correcting that guidance and giving that correctful guidance on how to fix it. They're not gonna want to stay in their church, but they're not welcome. So we have to make we have to make it we have to make the church welcoming because we are we're not we're we're not a country club. We're here to help people come and get guidance and get help. We're basically like a hospital. We are. We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to mend those souls. I'm sorry, Bishop. That's right. We are. We're a hospital for those who are, are hurting and needy and those who need healing. And we need to act like that rather than like we're a country club. We did a poll at the beginning of the uh, of the uh, podcast. Uh, Dr. Butler, one of our moderators, put up a poll and asked. Um, the question was, "Who was responsible for the most for the most religious trauma to those who were in our live at the time?" Seventy five percent said the congregation. Wow. Only 25% said pastor or priest. I would have thought the other. I would have thought it would have been the opposite as well. But, um, you know, they say that in their, uh, mind you, this is not a scientific poll, but (laughs) in their their experiences, the people that are watching us right now, uh, congregations have caused the most religious trauma. And... Uh, I think that's very uh, telling. And so that kind of shows where our greatest amount of work needs to be done is 
you know, helping our congregations understand how to be more loving and accepting and welcoming to all people. So moving on now to how do how does somebody who has experienced religious trauma how do they begin the healing process? And that's a bit of the harder thing to do, I think. And uh, my first suggestion is one that a lot of people balk at because of all the stigma that surrounds it. But my first uh, 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 suggestion is seek out a therapist. Someone especially who uh, deals with uh, traumatic situations, PTSD and religious trauma and, and the like. I think it's important that you have someone who can help you process that trauma and begin to explore it and, and work through it in a uh, safe uh, environment in a place where, um, you know, that experience can kind of be controlled some so that you're not dealing with um, uh, re-triggering someone, putting them in a bad place. And so uh, seek out a therapist who can help you through that type of trauma is my first suggestion. My second suggestion is a lot of people come to me and say they want to get back into the church, that they want to have a meaningful faith and meaningful relationship with the divine, but they're scared to, or they're, they feel they can't uh, because of everything they've gone through. And, and my uh, response to that is take it slow, one day at a time, one step at a time. And to remember that your connection to the divine is not contingent upon a church. You know, you can have a connection to God without stepping foot in the church. But that church component is just there to help you along your walk. And so if you really want to get back into a church setting... Uh, I would suggest that you find a church that is welcoming and accepting and affirming somewhere like the MCC or the Episcopal Church or the UCC or uh, some of the old Catholics or, you know, uh, affirming churches that are welcoming and loving, not churches that you're going to experience more religious trauma in. And I think simultaneously with that, you have to come to the re realization and the resolve within yourself that your spiritual walk and your faith in the Creator or the faith in which you choose to believe is more important than the misguided attempts at people um, to control your life and I know that's a hard saying it's a hard thing um, my faith to me is greater than people's behaviors and that is a hard thing it's a very hard thing yes. and it's a and it's a thing that as Bishop recommended that a therapist can help you walk walk through or if you're lucky enough you can link up with a spiritual leader that has been through a lot of the stuff and has overcome it and has learned how to uh, deal with it and learn how to walk in healing. Um, but to me, that's the first thing is if your faith is that important to you, then you should take a step. Or if you can't take a step, crawl. If you can't take a if you can't crawl, then fall in the direction of what you're wanting to do, and that's to reestablish that relationship. And you know, I believe that it is important for us to make that connection. And there are people out there that are just like you; they've walked through stuff, they've healed from it, or in the process of healing. 
and it's important for us to connect with other individuals. That's that's one reason that church and religious trauma is so it's so big, it's so detrimental, is because we are designed for relationships. We are created to have relationships with others uh, and to have relationships with people of faith, uh, like faith, and so forth. And that's why it hurts so bad is because, one, we probably had a connection with those people and trusted them. Two, we realize that when we have to step away from it, that we're going to be absent those relationships. As much as introverts and people that don't care to be in crowds uh, talk about not wanting to be around crowds or a lot of people, they do want some form of connection with another person, with humanity, Uh, although some of it may be to a limited degree. While you have those complete uh, extroverts who want to be friends with the world, (laughs) and God bless them. Uh, because I, I'm, I'm more of an introverted individual. Uh, but, you know, not, and here's, here's the last thing that I would throw out there to you, not everyone is the same. And what I mean by that is not everyone is out there perpetrating traumatic moments and trauma upon other people. They're good, wholesome folks in the world that want to encourage you, that want to be there with you on your journey, that want nothing from you but to sit back and watch the excitement of you growing in life in the particular areas that you're wanting to grow. And that's exciting. That's good to know. Sometimes it may be hard to find that group of people or those individuals, but they are there. And I think you should trust God to move you in the direction towards those people and they to you. Um, but I, I think I think it's a good, wholesome uh, recommendation to seek out someone that's a, of a professional nature that can help you start. Uh, I've I've had a lot of uh, therapists and professional mental health individuals in the area that have recommended people that have gone through trauma uh, to our church and you know but they continue to you know obviously see that individual as well on a professional level and um, I think hand in hand if you're in the right place with a spiritual community and with a professional you can see healing come to your life right and I know it's hard to make that to accept that, that there are people there in the world like you wanting to heal as well or who have healed, but they are out there. And you can get through this. I encourage you tonight, you today, whenever you're listening to this, you can get through this. You can make a difference in your own life, in the lives of others, and you can connect to your faith that is meaningful and that brings hope to you right absolutely i was looking here um one of my favorite authors is henry nowen who wrote the broken healer um along with several other um books and um one of the things that uh he reminds us uh, when it comes to dealing with things like religious trauma, especially congregations and people, is uh, spiritual identity means we are not what we do or what people say about us. And we are not what we have. We are beloved daughters and sons of God. And I think ultimately that's where we come to in this discussion, is that we have to begin the process of letting go of those past traumas and begin working towards reclaiming who we are in God and understanding that we are loved uh, beyond words and by a God who is just as 
appalled, just as sickened by the way people treat each other as you and I are. And who wants us to live a life that is uh, one of love and compassion and care for all people. So I hope that you will reach out today and begin your process of healing. Uh, if, you're if you've experienced religious trauma in your past. And begin that process of healing so that you can uh, once again begin to reach out to others of faith and love and compassion and find that they're not all Christians are the same. That's right. I know. Well, folks, that is uh, it for tonight's podcast. Uh, Bishop Ben, uh, did we have something on the agenda for next week? No, you all were discussing. It was open-ended. I think you were discussing coming much closer to the end of the season pretty soon. But we haven't gotten to that schedule yet. Okay, so we'll have a topic before next Saturday. Uh, and we'll do something that I'm sure you all will enjoy. Uh, thank you, Reverend Mark, for being here tonight. It was a blessing. Sorry I was late. <laughs> no, you're fine. And Bishop Ben, thank you for being here as well. Thank all you for your having hard me. Work, all your hard work as producer, we appreciate that. <clears throat> Until we once again attempt to expand your faith, keep shining bright, my friends. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Expanding Your Faith. For more information on Expanding Your Faith, check us out on facebook.com forward slash expanding your faith. We are available on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Play, and wherever you find your podcasts. Until next week, when we once again attempt to expand your faith, keep shining bright.